Zedek Spectrum Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Godoy, and joining me today is a very special guest. It is Matthew Cannon. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, good to talk to you. So, just for our listeners that don't know who Matthew is, Matthew uh, worked, basically, on uh, loads of Zedek Spectrum games doing the music. Uh, and the game we're going to be talking about today, which Matthew's picked out, is Batman the Movie, which also happens to be one of my favourite games on the Specky ever. Mm, that's, that's nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> just for our listeners, you know, if you're listening to this for the first time then, so the first episode of the ZX Spectrum podcast was all about, like, my experiences growing up being a ZX Spectrum fan, and every sort of month I'm going to get a guest on board to talk about their memories of the ZX Spectrum and for their for them to pick up basically uh, a game to talk about and Matthew's agreed to talk about um, Batman the movie because he works on it but alright before we do any of talking about Batman the movie since I've got the opportunity to talk to you Matthew I mean I've got to say I'm a big fan I love the work you did on this game it's phenomenal it's timeless it's ageless how did you get into making music and then working for Ocean because that's got to be a hell of a story itself yeah I suppose it was um Quite a surprising story. Uh, you have to go back to probably around 1988 right. when I was still a schoolboy. So I was still about, I must have been 15 in 88. And um, yeah, it, 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 it was a, a, it was part of um, your um, fourth year at school that you had to, to show some enterprising skills and, right. and, and sort of sell yourself and, and think about work that might you might one day go ahead and be, be doing um whether you're going to go to uni- university or whatever mm-hmm. they still want you to think about what was your career going to be so as a fourth year at the high school i was asked to um send out some uh begging letters right <laughs> to local companies to ask them to to have me as a, as a work experience placement for for uh, one or two weeks so this is part of our summer summer holiday uh, assignment was as, as a school kid was to go and find a company that you were interested in in yeah. uh, learning about maybe you're interested in the work you know you, you thought you might be able to go into that industry and, and send out letters to say hi i'm you know 15 year old school kid mm-hmm. i'm on work experience will you have me and of course i, I sent sent a letter off to ocean um, growing up in manchester knowing it really well being a fan of the games uh, being in particular fan of the um, the music that that was coming out on those titles, that ocean, yeah, lots of really really fantastic stuff by um, Martin Galway and, and people like that. So I'd, I'd already been well aware of what they were producing. I was a you know as a consumer of their stuff. I'd, I'd save up my pocket money and go and buy their stuff. Um, so I just sent a letter out to them. Uh, not expecting any sort of response at all, you know. I told them I was interested in assembly programming. Uh, I was learning how to to write music on the Commodore 64. That's the machine I had at, at, at home. Yeah. I was interested in all the other machines, the Spectrum and, and all the stuff that was going on. I was trying to really sell myself. That was the assignment. That was the school assignment to do that. And, you know, totally shocked to get a an ocean... Um, letter-headed uh, uh, response to say, yeah, sure. Who come was that along. letter from then? Like, yeah, the one that you got the response from. I got a response from one of the uh, managers there called Colin Stokes. So he would have been 
uh, Gary Brace's boss, I think. Right. So he was a board member. I think he might have been a producer there. Uh, he was certainly a um, senior manager anyway. And um, the, the, the guy who was actually in, in charge of uh, the development um, department and everyone, graphic artists, musicians and uh, programmers, was Gary Bracey. And I think, I think Gary reported to Colin. So I, I was completely like blown away, you know, uh, as a fan of, <laughs> yeah, a fan of video games and especially the musical side. I was really interested in graphics at the time. I was, I was right, I was sort of drawing a, 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 and um, managing to put together quite a lot of graphical content to show them. Yeah. And I thought that might be an area I'd get into, you know, but I was, I was interested generally in, in games development. So I was trying my hand at assembly machine code and trying to get the, the stuff to, to trying to get a game together basically. But then as more time went on and I, I spent more, um, more of my, uh, sort of school holidays learning how to write, um, assembly, I, uh, I, I was drawn to the, the SID chip on the Commodore 64 initially. Amazing yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was the thing that got me going. Uh, obviously thinking about the, the soundtracks that had come from the likes of Martin Galway. Mm. Um, so I was hoping to, to get an insight into how, how this all hangs together, how a title is put together. Uh, I didn't expect to get a response from them, you know? That's crazy. I mean, what did your friends think then? Did you tell your friends that you got like, yeah, yeah. What were they like? Because honestly, if one of my friends had told me that, oh, by the way, I want to go and work for Ocean, I would have gone, you liar, you liar. But like, I know, I know. I mean, we used to sort of, it it was really, really weird because a lot of my friends at at, um, high school at the time or secondary school, we used to sort of head into town, head into Manchester on our uh, weekends or during the summer break or something. And we used to visit the ocean offices, you know, and sort of hang around (laughs) waiting for some some kind of like, uh, uh, maybe some news about a new title or maybe we meet someone who'd worked on a game or something like that we used to go to the offices we used to hang around the reception they must have got fed up of us you know <laughs> it, it was it was a core of us it was core three or four of my mates used to just head down to ocean and say it's the nearest it's the nearest games publisher mm-hmm. we, we, we like the stuff they're doing you know it's our hometown let's get down there let's just pester them until you know, they tell us like when when the next game is out or maybe we can get a release before it goes to the shops you know maybe we can get our hands on something yeah. new so we were absolutely, you know, determined to sort of get into Ocean, really. Um, and I think partly, you know, my pestering letter or whatever, <laughs> uh, my eagerness, my enthusiasm, yeah. I don't know what, what happened, but, yeah, they, they brought me in. And it was the summer of, I think it was the summer of 88, I spent um, two or three weeks in the company of um, one of the graphic artists, Steve Wahid, mm-hmm. He'd worked on a lot of titles there, and I met all the other members of the team, um, people that I'd known from reading the credits on the games, you know. So uh, some programmers like David Collier um, and people like uh, John Megan, uh, who I later became like pals with, uh, Jonathan Dunn as well. I was introduced oh, wow. to him. And when it, yeah, when I was introduced to Jonathan, because, of course, I, I went to Ocean expecting to to sort of see Martin Galway working. Yeah. You know, that's what we thought. But he'd moved on since then. That Like the year before, I think he'd moved on to sensible software. And Jonathan Dunn was his replacement. 
So while I was spending time from on my school assignment, just learning how to, to sort of manipulate uh, sprites and, and do a basic game with Steve Wahid, I was also hanging around with Jonathan Dunn and saying, Ooh, you know, show, can you show me a little bit about how you make the music? You know, because by that time, I'd, I'd been studying music for a while, about three or four years by that time. Mm-hmm. I was really into, um, you know, musical composition and arrangements and stuff like that. And that was always my passion like since I was very young. So even though I went in to learn about the general, how you put a game together, how you make the graphics, how everything, um, I, I was really starting to show an interest in the music. And it was Jonathan Dunn that, that sort of picked up on that. He said, well, you know, um, if you're spending two weeks here just seeing how things work and you're still at school, when you, you, you finish your exams, when you come back next year, you know. So um, so that's what I did. Just just finished my, my GCSEs <laughs> the very last day. Did my last exam and then I went straight back there and, and, um, and said, look, can I, can I do a bit more work? Can I do anything? Test mm-hmm. games, anything. I don't mind. Make the tea. I don't care yeah. what I'm doing. But can, <laughs> but can I hang around? Well, what did your family say, like, Matthew, when you've done this? Well, yeah, a lot of my friends and family were really surprised, you know, because um, they'd known uh, they'd known about Ocean Software as being a, a local uh, yeah. success story and uh, one of the major games publishers of the time. And obviously they'd seen me sort of buy their games and with the Ocean logo on it and stuff, and suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm sort of working there. So uh, it's probably quite a surprise to them, really. But they just let me get on with it. Like, he must know what he's doing. Well, I didn't. I was... <laughs> But you know what the amazing thing is, though, Matthew, is it's like you're only a few years older than me. And as a kid, you know, it's just like we saw the programmers, musicians, the graphic artists yeah. as like heroes and legends. You know, like we look forward to all the games that these guys or girls were making. And we couldn't wait for, you know, for the next yeah. game to appear because, you know, it's just Ocean was just so big back in the day. There yeah. were the talk of the playground. I mean, talking about the talk of the playground, I mean... Obviously, I ended up getting a ZX Spectrum. I, I wanted a C64, but I got a ZX Spectrum, yeah. and I grew to love it. Hence, it's why I'm still playing games What <laughs> over 30 years later. Yeah. I'm doing a podcast about it now. Um, yeah. What was your school like then with sort of like the computers? Yeah, so we, we had the usual um, batch of computers that, that you'd find in any sort of mid-80s um, high school. So the BBC Micro B. Oh, yeah? lovely, yeah. Yeah, classic machine. So that was the first machine that... I think had written any sort of um, real assembly code on. But again, I was completely, it was all by chance that I, I did this. It was enjoying a lesson. And I managed to find that the BBC Micro B had this built-in machine code monitor. Didn't know it was there. I just stumbled on it. And as soon as I'd sort of found that um, in the class, it was just a way of, of having a bit of fun, really, just writing a bit of code uh for the um on the machine code monitor that was was already built into the bbc um so it was um i mean we didn't have anything else we didn't have any of the major uh games machines you know um most of my friends at the time were saying they've got zx spectrum you need to get a specy you know why have you got a commodore <laughs> and that was what I was, <laughs> that's what i was given you know as as a birthday present i think one year when i was 12 um and uh yeah i mean i i, I kind of i always so you might you might have wanted a commodore right? i always had my eye on the spectrum because mm-hmm. a lot of my friends would, would have it and they had, they had some great games on there a lot of the games that uh, were produced by the likes of ultimate um, they just seem really really involved in oh, yeah. interesting games yeah 
they seem to have a life of their own. Yeah. And I think a lot of these games were made more for the specy, and they looked better on the specy because of yeah. the, the, the color they that they use and they the did. sounds are so unique. And I, I love it. Don't get yeah. me wrong, I love the C64, but yeah. for me now, I'm specy the whole way now. Yeah, the specy was uh, again. You've got to remember that it was a, a British um, innovation. You yeah, know? it's a great British invention by a. a, a great british eccentric so uh, commodore was just some you know strange german company that no one really understood uh, like i remember my maths teacher at school would say like oh what are you playing around with the commodore for it's just a waste of time <laughs> and that was his way of, i think that was his way of saying you know um the zx spectrum is is, is homegrown yeah thing we should support british industry you know and all this kind of thing but i uh i mean i was really interested in the spectrum so when i started at ocean like in, in the year after that that time i had um, so you were about 16 then when you started working yeah around. so it was 1989 so i would have just turned 16 i think and i went back to ocean and said look can i do something anything and by that time actually i'd put together in that year between 88 and 89 i put together quite a lot of music demos oh, cool. um yeah so i'd use uh some basic uh music programs like electrosound and uh ubix music and a couple of other things i tried ben daglish's music driver yeah. and i tried hacking into all the music routines and tried to create my own so when i went back in 89 i had had a, bit, a small a very very small portfolio of 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 tunes you know um so uh i was able to sort of sell myself back as as someone who, who could possibly do the audio. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Jonathan Dunn that picked up on that and said, well, yeah, he can do the audio because yeah. he liked the demos. I didn't expect him to, you know. Like I said, I was a music student. I was very serious about music. I was listening to a lot of very heavy music and I was scoring music and learning how to read and write music. Very serious about it. But I didn't expect it to translate to the, the machines, you know. Um, to me, it was like magic. The stuff that these guys did, it was like some kind of weird, yeah, alchemy. Like you say, you just said like the, you were waiting for these guys um, to release their next thing because it seemed like there were there was amazing bunch of wizards who managed to conjure up these games, you know. And um, I, I felt the same about the music side of things. So I didn't expect them to say, yeah, you're good enough to do it. But something in those demos, something about my, my music and and what I'd done with the music routine seemed to make me think, yeah, yeah, he might be, he might be good. And they were looking for an in-house musician to, to help Jonathan. I think Jonathan Dunn's workload at the time was just too much, you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so I started uh, in 89, I think, looked at New Zealand story. They asked me to do a few sound effects for the mm-hmm. Commodore. I thought, all right, okay, I've got to prove myself. Yeah. So I did that. Literally a few days later, they said, "Right, okay, you need to get onto the Specky." I was like, "Oh my god, you know, <laughs> I've not re- I've not listened to enough Spectrum music. Yeah. Don't understand the chip. Don't understand really what people are expecting from that sort of sound um, uh, platform. You know what it was capable of. I don't know what. I just didn't listen to enough Spectrum music to, to know what people were expecting. Um, but when they said Batman the movie, I was like, "Are you serious? You know." <laughs> Uh, what, how can you sort of entrust me with that? I, I just felt like they'd made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, because they give a little bit of a, a back thing. Like Batman the movie basically is based on the Tim Burton film that starred uh, Michael mm-hmm. Keaton, Jack Nicholson. It was like the big blockbuster mm-hmm. film that came out in 1989. It was the first 12 film here in the UK. 
and yeah. it was absolutely huge so i mean for ocean to get the license is a big deal and when we had heard that you know the game was going to come out it was incredible i mean how did you feel were you a yeah. batman fan or like just a... no at all no i didn't really know anything about oh, it really uh, and i didn't watch the film until about oh my god maybe 10 15 <laughs> years later yeah honestly i didn't know anything about it at all i wasn't really that into it mm-hmm. i wasn't into um sort of comic book world yeah. a lot of my colleagues at ocean were really into that stuff so when they were um assigned a project like batman or robocop yeah. or one of the other movie titles they were really you know chuffed thrilled just excited to be part of it mm-hmm. um the, all the stuff that we get from the the um the movie publisher, you know, sort of scripts and storyboards, yeah. any, any of that stuff that used to get sent to Ocean, which I don't think was that much, actually. I don't think they got to see as much as they'd like to have done. Um, you know, they consumed it, like, avidly, like, oh, whatever they can get their hands on, anything to do with Batman. Uh, for me, it was like, I just wanted to, to have a blank slate. and, oh, and well, to look okay. at, Yeah, yeah I, I didn't want to be influenced by... Anything. I wanted to make sure that if I was going to make music and it was going to be my very first project, yeah, it would have to be, you know, from me, my, my response to to the Batman theme, if you like, the yeah. Batman um, character and and the, you know, I had seen some of the movie, some of the some of the scenes in the movies, yeah, in, in the Batman movie itself, but I hadn't really been a fan, so I wanted to keep that. Just like that, I, I didn't want to get consumed by the whole sort of culture and start being being influenced by some of the music that was around at the time, yeah. the Danny Elfman stuff. And even if you remember, I don't know if you remember at the time, but Prince did a a, a song. <laughs> yeah, so everyone was saying, "Oh, you know, Matt, you need to go and listen to Danny Elfman. Maybe you should listen to this. Prince has done this this chart yeah. single." I just wanted to to somehow keep myself separate from that, and just it for it to be my response to the game, my response to the. I'll tell you what, and, and it works. Basically, you've yeah. put your own sort of stamp on it. And normally, when people do yeah. think of Batman, they do think of the old sort of like Adam West sort of like theme tune playing, yeah. or the Tim Burton sort of because like Danny Elfman's yeah. very distinctive sound. But whenever I hear right. that tune, I'm like that. It couldn't have been anything else because it works so well. What was the process right. then with you working with the um, where was it Dawn Drake and who was the other? Uh, Mike Lamb, wasn't it? Yeah, Mike Lamb and Dawn Drake. So uh, again, two very big players in the in the spectrum world you know really fantastic artist and genius programmer you know at what he could get out of that machine yeah i mean um so i i was fascinated by you know mike's routines how he managed to get i think oh the the first thing that got me with that game was how he managed to get that you know the rope swing Mm -hmm. with the scroll i was like i don't know how you would even begin to do that um so he was stretching it you know he was one of one of the programmers that i was really interested in working with and dawn was just just a a very fine artist you know very very diligent and just seemed to produce some really really nice stuff so we all worked in the same um, roughly the same area. Uh, I was sharing a room with. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I was sharing a room with Jonathan Dunn at the time, so we both we both had headphones on. You know, <laughs> it's terrible. Wow. So Jonathan would be at one end of the music room, and I'd be at the other end. John will be working on I don't know Robocop or something, and I'd be working on Batman, and we both have headphones on. 
and we both sort of take our headphones off and have a chat about what we're working on and we play each other, you know, play stuff to each other. And then Dawn Drake and, and Mike Lamb were just just down the corridor. Yeah. Um, they were in one room together. Yeah. So the artist and the this is the thing that I found that's quite common actually over at that place is that the artist and the, the programmer were usually buddying up like really close, sharing desk space, working in the same room, seem to sort of like just you know, go to lunch together, all that sort of stuff, very close. Yeah. But the audio guys, me and John, were just sort of like, you know, we, we, <laughs> we were, yeah, we, we were audio people for hire. We, yeah. we went on any project and, and we didn't care what we did as long as we were making some music, you know. Um, so we didn't really form part of that team mm. as such. Not until a bit later, actually, when uh, I managed to do, I ended up doing a few titles with Jonathan, uh, sorry, John Megan and Steve Thompson yeah. uh, on the Commodore and Specky. And once, once you know, we'd worked together a couple of times, that was it. We were like a, a group then, a bit like Sensible Software had, yeah. like John Hare, Chris Yates and Martin Galway. And it was inseparable. Once you'd done a couple of projects like that, me and John Megan, Steve Thompson, we, we were just like, that was like, we, we, we had a really good team. But usually we'd have me and John just going around to any project. Yeah. Uh, sitting down, looking at the game, looking at the early, early stages or early levels, early graphics, early sort of like um, animations and stuff like that, and just chatting with the the programmer and the yeah. artist. Because that's what I wanted to ask you: how you sort of like um, got the music? Because it's got like different sort of music for the different levels and yeah. like the theme tune. So had you sort of like seen part of the game? Had you known which way the game was going to go? And how do you select which level was going to have what music? Yeah, so normally what what you get, I mean, it, it didn't really change from from one project to another. We usually had, uh, I mean, from the very first project, you'd have a sheet of paper, a sheet yeah. of paper from the programmer and the artist, which had said, level one, <laughs> yeah. we need about three minutes of music. Level two, we need about two minutes of music. There's a cut scene or there's a little bonus level or whatever we need a bit of music here we need a game over we need a game start and you know it was like a little recipe or a little request list i suppose of what they would like to to see but they didn't they, the one thing i noticed about the programmers and the artists at ocean is they didn't really sort of like push any themes on me mm-hmm. so uh, mike lamb and dawn drake they didn't sort of say, right, it needs, this music needs to be dark and, you know, oppressive and, yeah. and this one needs to be, you know, really moody and this one needs to be upbeat or whatever. They didn't have any of those sort of stylistic or, or sort of like mood elements to, 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 to request. They didn't, didn't make those sorts of requests. They just said, level one, you know, it's about, it's set in this chemical plant or whatever. Level two, it's set in the city of Gotham, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I just, um, saw a bit of the, I'd see a little bit of the game in in development. Some of the animation, some of the some of the um, basic sprite movement stuff, and some of the graphics are usually incomplete. A lot of the a lot of the game was incomplete by that by that time. Yeah. Um, and they left me to to do whatever I wanted to do. With Batman, I just remember there being one specific part of the game that they said, look, it has to be this way, and it was. Um, a bonus level where I think you have a minute to finish a puzzle. That's so hard. I was going to talk to you about that later on, but it's yeah. so tough. That. <laughs> yeah. Pretty frantic. Yeah. So I thought, right, okay, well, yeah. So they said, look, it's going to be a minute. It's going to have some kind of tension to it. So mm. with those little pointers, you were able to go away and do what, whatever you wanted to do, really. Yeah. 
Um, they didn't really they didn't really say much else and there wasn't much else being fed in as long as like I mean, I kind of reported to Jonathan Dunn. So, you know, I was quite junior. So I'd report to Jonathan Dunn effectively and say, look, John, I've got some stuff to play back to you. Yeah. Is this going in the right direction? You know, and John would give me some feedback. And um, apart from that, you know, they just they'd let you do whatever you needed to do. That's amazing. So it was really good. Yeah. I didn't really listen to the soundtrack much. Yeah. Um, it was knocking about. A lot of people had a copy of it. And I, I was early with the Danny Elfman stuff. Um, and I went on to work on on uh, the Simpsons game actually on uh, on one or two platforms, um, Game Boy and stuff like that. So you know, I knew his music and yeah. and all this kind of stuff, but I I wasn't I didn't want to be influenced by it too much. No, that's so, fair enough. So what was yeah. your then like once the game got done? What was the reaction from? I mean, how, how did you react to everyone really liking it? Because I mean, it was amazing. It did, it did so well. Yeah, it, it, it was a big surprise. I mean, I, I was quite, I was quite nervous about how, firstly, how my my work would be received by my peers there, you know, um, because I was the new starter. I was quite young, um, you know. Music is, I mean, you can you can start you can start in a place like Ocean and be a graphic artist and be kind of young because. A yeah. lot of it was, you know, this is what Batman looks like. This is what a city looks like. Yeah. Got to draw it and it's got to look good. But with music, I think there was a lot more, uh, it's a lot more subjective. So I was worried about how my compositions might have been received by yeah. my peers, you know, because I, I was only really just getting, coming to terms with music myself. I was learning you know, music was my passion, but I was and I was a student of music, but I was still learning so much about it. So when you listen to the the Batman soundtrack, there's a lot of a lot of quite naive musical mm. uh, structure to it. Which, looking back, you know, it, I can I can recognise my my youth in it. You know, my, yeah. my sort of naivety in, in music. But I think. I, I managed to get away with it somehow. <laughs> somehow Honestly, it is one of the best games on the ZX Spectrum. Honestly, it's like I'll tell you a quick story about like um, about me playing it because I remember sort of just loving sort of like seeing it in the shop and it's in the big box and it was just like the um, the Batman symbol and I think even the Ocean logo was a little bit orange, like this sort of Batman symbol thing that they had. And I remember opening it up, loading the game up, mm-hmm. seeing the amazing loading screen. And it was, then the it was an event, screen, wasn't it? It, it yeah. was so good. Honestly, the game is phenomenal. So quickly remind our listeners then. So it's uh, five different sort of like games in one, basically. So it's five different levels. The first level is in the chemical plant. The second level is the, you're in the Batmobile. And um, again, the music really adds to the game. The third level is the toughest level. I mean, that music really drives me crazy <laughs> because it adds to the tension. It's like you said, you've got yeah. one minute and you've got to try and decipher the... Ratcheting um, up. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. I've only done that a couple of times. <clears> and after that is the Batwing level, which again, really good graphics. The music's brilliant. And then the only... I think I've got to it once or twice is the um, Cathedral. But mm. I will let our listeners know, I mean, it is a pretty tough game. That there is a cheat code sort of that you can do. If you hold down the keys M I C K Mick, it let, takes you to the next level, which is what <laughs> I've been doing today. So I could actually get to the cathedral level. But um, all right. 
So I wonder what Mike Lamb was thinking there. Just, he was probably just thinking Mick as in Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was he thinking? We had some really weird cheat codes out there, I have to say. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was it was an event. It was like you know, getting the game. I, I do appreciate that a lot of people were like really waiting for this yeah. this thing to come out. One thing that Ocean did really well, I think. I think they came under a lot of fire for the way that they sort of. Uh, repeated their formula for you know platformers mm. for games, but um, one thing that they did really well, I think, is in music. Uh, sorry, not music. No, they didn't do that very well at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the film <laughs> tie-ins, oh, God, I think yeah. they did really well. Is they managed to bring these like five mini games, like you say. Yeah. That I don't think that was that wasn't a very common formula, was it? Really, for other games at all? It was only when you came to a movie tie-in, yeah, where it seemed to go that way. Because a lot you of know the games mean? were just very standard. It was just one formula, yeah. and it had it had like the main character, which looked somewhat mm-hmm. like the star of the film, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But this took the best elements of the film, and yeah. as a kid, you know, like. You'd fill in the gaps, basically. You'd imagine that you're in the oh, chemical yeah, plant sure. or you're in the Batmobile. I mean, the yeah. first time you saw that Batmobile in the film was amazing. And then to see it on the screen, it beautifully drawn. And yeah. I think Ocean, you know, like did that so well with the movie licenses. I mean, The Untouchables is another fantastic one. Well, that's what I think they did well. And, you know, um, I remember working on The Untouchables later. Uh, and, again, it was like, oh, Ocean have produced another sort of movie tie-in that seems to follow a formula yeah. of, you know, hopping around um, platforms. But I think that's unfair. I think the, the guys really came up with a, a way of, of storyboarding and, and yeah. bringing to life some scenes, you know? Yeah. Um, now, the game's, game mechanics, I, I, I mean, as a musician, I didn't really care what the game mechanics were, to be honest. I only wanted to know about the characterizations the pace of the game yeah. and the major sort of, you know, points of success and failure in the game. That's all I need to know about. But in terms of the, the sort of platform element, I don't think it was overdone. I think mm-hmm. with Batman, I think it was, um, again, actually the Batwing section, that was a, that was like a 3d, um, a 3d sort of flying along thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It had like so, a slight I mean, sort of isometric look on it because of the shadow yeah. and the bat wings. So you could get a bit of perspective on it. It's very similar to the sort of like driving from left to right on the specky, like the, like the Batmobile level. And I think on the Amiga, that was like a 3d thing. That's sort of like an outrun perspective where you're driving towards the screen. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to ask you then. So once the game was complete, then like, what did you think of the game? Did you play the game? And what did your friends think of the game back in the day? Yeah, I remember playing the game, um, and uh, yeah, not listening to the music at all, really, you know, like <laughs> thinking about how my music goes with it. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's a bit of, you know, my, my music would go into one level, and then there'd be a bit of feedback from the team to say maybe, you know, maybe it needs to be a different style or something, uh, or to trim it or extend it or whatever. But when I actually played the finished game... I I completely tuned out of all the audio and I just wanted to play the game and, and see whether I enjoyed it. And um, because I had a Commodore 64, that's the version that I, I played. I just took home and played it because they gave free copies of the game that you worked on. They just gave you a, yeah. a copy of that. So I had a copy and I just, I remember thinking it was all right. Um, 
But I wanted to get to the later levels. It's uh, tough, though. Quicker it? than, <laughs> than, you know, I really, I, I thought like the early levels were okay, but I really, I, I, it frustrated me how hard it was. Yeah. And I thought, God, you've really got to be a, a hardened gamer to do this, you know. And I, I remember thinking, um, no one's going to hear the the, the 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 later levels, the music, because <laughs> there's one piece of music on the Batman game that I uh, really was quite proud of and I think it was the last one I did with the cathedral yeah I just thought it sort of it was more like what I wanted to produce you know something that I wanted to make myself the sort of music I would make Mm -hmm. you know if I had a completely blank slate that was very close to sort of stuff I was interested in so I kept thinking god I've I've written the best music at the last level and no one's going to hear it you know so it was a really hard game but I mean could you understand like why everyone sort of went crazy with this game because it was the big ocean game after Robocop this came out and it's just like honestly all my friends all around the playground they were all talking about this it's got great reviews on the specy Amstrad C64 Omega it's just like I mean the license and it's not just the license the game itself was just phenomenal you know everything was just perfect with that game the next thing i wanted to ask you before we round up the show then is like okay so how many years ago was it that you actually made this game now so it's it came out in 1989 so that would have been oh actually you know what i should do something about this i should do it's 30 years you know it is (laughs) this is the reason why i decided i wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about this it's crazy oh no 30 years awful No, but I should do something about that. I should do dress up as Batman. I should do and play, a, play um, it and play like a live, like a live rendition. Yeah, I should consider doing a remix or something. You know, thirtieth anniversary thing. I would like to do that. Yeah, it's just finding the time. I would. I know it's an excuse. I'd really like to get all my my gear together and and do it. Um, I really would because it's thirty years. Seems like a good a good place to. A good occasion to mark, doesn't it? Oh, it does. I mean... God, I completely forgot about that. How, how do you feel then? Like, you know, people like myself, <laughs> loads of other retro gamers out there that look... When they play this game, they think of your yeah. music, they look at the graphics from Dawn Drink and, the you know, the gameplay from My yeah. Lamb. Like, how does that... Like, I don't know. It's It's got to be like a proper artist. I mean, I've talked to, um, you know, like a few of the other programmers and graphic artists about this that... All these years later, people still look upon their work and still mm-hmm. treasure it and admire it, and it's still going yeah. strong after all these years later. I mean, I never thought the Spectrum yeah. would still be as popular 30 years later. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I remember seeing the first retro stuff about sort of 15 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is you know, it's a, it's a revival. It's a, it's a reinterest in, in, in stuff that we've worked on it's very nice to know that people are still interested but i didn't expect it to go on for another 15 years you know <laughs> so 30 years later yeah that it was a surprise i think the, the whole retro scene um you know the events and the the personalities the people that, that that go to them and it's absolutely fascinating to me i mean um like i say 15 years on it seems reasonable that you know people might still be interested in the spectrum might still be interested in, in some of the titles and things like that but another this is 30 years now and it's still absolutely you know people are absolutely into it and it's amazing it's amazing really yeah yeah because like the spectrum is still games are still being made for it new games all the time like mighty final fight yeah, castlevania all these amazing games yeah. that just like i i, I wish i'd 
played these back in the day and it still wells <laughs> me the zx spectrum next is coming out as well uh yeah god it's just like the spectrum is still alive and kicking it, it is a lot, a lot of it at the time did pass me by because i was i was working mm. on, on games um it did sort of spoil some of the fun you know of, yeah. of enjoying it i didn't really i wasn't a massive game player i was just a massive admirer of the artistry yeah so i would sometimes load a game up just to admire the graphic graphical content and, and the sound and stuff um so i wasn't a massive sort of hardened game player didn't yeah. have like the joystick in the world <laughs> i didn't have all this sort of stuff um but i you know i yeah a lot of these titles these older titles did pass me by because at the time i was too busy working on stuff mm. to really appreciate all of the work that went into to some of these titles so yeah was bit, when was bit... the last time you played this game then this game must have been about oh i think it was at one of these events you know mm-hmm. um i think it was one of the expo type events yeah. maybe about five or six years ago wow. but i can't remember what, i think it might have been the amiga it was on um but again it's um there is a distance you know you get a lot you feel disconnected from it not just because of the time mm-hmm. so years since but um because you, you you were the producer of that stuff yeah and not the consumer you don't really feel you know you don't feel so much the excitement that a lot of the retro people yeah. feel uh, about it I but mean, um there's a nostalgia from remembering the team that you work yeah. with you know, and and those years in in manchester interesting time to be in manchester late 80s early 90s the whole manchester thing was happening the music scene oh, was very yeah. vibrant you know so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there so my memories are more and my nostalgia is more about who I was working with. Uh, you uh, know, that would make such an ultimate yeah. TV show or film. I'd love to yeah, see yeah. something like that. <laughs> Did you watch the um, Netflix uh, Black Mirror episode, Bandersnatch? <laughs> I've heard about it. It's re- I talked to I've Bill not... Harbison about it as well. Really? About a young programmer who goes there. He's, he's in his teens and he has to program a game and he's there with some other programmers, another young programmer. And it was interesting talking I've heard, to you about yeah. it. I've heard, I've heard good things about it. Um, I need to go and check it out. Definitely. So uh, it's, you can get it on Netflix, is it, or something? Yeah, you can get it on Netflix. It's an interactive game or interna- interactive t- like TV show film thing. It's really smartly done. Hopefully we'll see more stuff like that. So I'll tell you uh-huh. what, uh, Matthew, we'll start rounding the podcast up because I don't want to keep you forever. But no, I do want to let our listeners know that um, I sent Matthew a little present to say thank you for his amazing work. Yes. And that yes. was the uh, mug, the Batman mug. You can coffee from that then. And what do your work colleagues think of that now then? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a surprise, really. I mean, I, I, I remember seeing on Facebook, I think it was, um, yeah. the stuff you done on Robocop. So you did a Robocop mug. And my friend Bill Harbison, was, it was on his timeline. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's fantastic. I've not seen a mug like that before. And I thought maybe a, a, a Batman one would be more appropriate. And <laughs> yeah. n- next thing you know, you know, he arrives in the post. So my girlfriend was chuffed to see that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I have it on my desk at work. Um, you'll have a photograph there, which you can you can Ooh, include in. It's on its way to you. Um, so yeah, if if people ask what I used to do, I can just sort of point at the mug and say, oh, that sort of thing there, you know. <laughs> so, it's got my my credits on there. But it's nice to see the team on there, you know, like yeah. Mike, yeah. Dawn, and, and me. So it's nice to see that. So yeah, it's a nice memento. So yeah, really appreciate that. 
Yeah, no yeah. worries. So, uh, uh, would you like to give any shout-outs? Would you like to plug anything? I mean, you mentioned that you'd like to do some music, uh, like a remix, yeah. since it's 30 years, but anything else you'd like to mention? Or Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I keep forgetting that it's 30 years, and I need to do something this year about that. So, I will... I will take some time out to, to do that. I really need to be serious about that and maybe do, do a remix of something. Um, people do mention it to me. Uh, Batman obviously seems to be the, the, the right, it seems to be the right time to do that. So I will do that. Um, just like to say hello to all my, all my ex-colleagues that I, I still know today and I still meet today. Um, so Simon Butler's a friend. Uh, John Megan, um, comes to visit. It's great to see these guys still. I bumped into Bill Harbison recently. <laughs> I'd like to bump into more people. Yeah. At these events, obviously, Jim Bagley's working on new specky stuff. We've talked oh, about wow. possibly collaborating on something. Oh, so wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll be open to that. No worries. Uh, so it's just getting the time, you know, to, to start and finish the stuff. So well, I am keen. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen to keep involved. So uh, I will go into the events. I'll be going to the Play Expo stuff, you know. Oh, so, see, oh. I wish I could have made it, but I'm moving right. house in the next week and a bit, so uh, I really wanted to catch up with people and friends yeah, and make yeah. some new friends, but I, I guess I'll have to sort of do it another time. But, uh, yeah, I want to say a big special thank to you, Matthew, honestly, not just for the work that you've done, but it's been a pleasure talking to you and finding out all this stuff, and hopefully our listeners of the ZX Spectrum podcast, you know, really enjoyed that, and hopefully you'll get some real positive feedback on that. Yeah, it's my, my pleasure, actually, and just hopefully, you know, people... I've got something out of it, something new, maybe they haven't heard of before. Um, I don't know how many times I've, I've told these stories, not that often. So um, hopefully there's something interesting in there from the old days. So, yeah, thank you for uh, inviting uh, me. Like I said, it's a pleasure. I'm going to have to get you back on the main uh, podcast that I do, which is Get to the Chopper. Yep. And in that podcast, we talk about anything and everything, whether it's movies, films, TV shows, yep. life in general. And we do that one for about an hour. And we'll have to get that, you know, get you back on that. But earlier on, you mentioned Bill Harbison. And just to let our listeners know, Bill Harbison will be the third guest on my uh, ZX Spectrum podcast. And the game that Bill's picked surprised me, but he's gone for Trashman on the Specky because he's a fan of Trashman. So I really? thought he was going to go for a game that he worked on, but no, he's gone for <laughs> Trashman. So that'll be interesting. That's a surprise, but yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah, so I'll keep an eye out for that. Fantastic. Yeah. So thanks very much. Uh, Thank you. Speak to you